electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. Stocks look to add to yesterday's New Year's hangover. Worst day for the NASDAQ, at least since October. A news flow does heat up today with ISM, jolts, and some Fed minutes. A roadmap begins with a rough start to the year for stocks. Is the Santa Claus rally in jeopardy? Rate expectations. Barkin now says a soft landing is conceivable, but adds that hikes are still on the table. And Disney's activist moves showing up shoring up some support in its battle against Tryon's Nelson Peltz. Let's begin, though, with the tech sector. A day after the Nasdaq did post its worst daily performance since October and the worst start to the year since 2016. Apple, Jim, of course, was a big part of that. Uh, Got placed uh, the blame uh, squarely at Barclays on that note, of course. Yeah, we got another note today from Davidson just talking about lack of innovation. Uh, One of the themes that I saw it's right at the end of the year was that if you don't have newness in tech, which is kind of an odd term, but uh, then you just don't have uh, what people want. And the Apple note today is kind of indicative of where, of where I think people are waiting for innovation. Maybe uh, generative AI will help. I know they bought a bunch of they bought some cards from, from Nvidia. But my problem with all this, Carl, is that. All right, we've heard it time and again, uh, and this time it's that the service revenue will not be able to uh, make a difference. I, I trimmed uh, all of the Magnificent Seven. I didn't own Tesla yesterday, Magnificent Six, but I did it because there's a certain level where I had a th- 1,200% gain in NVIDIA, so I <laughs> sold something. I'd be like, wow, not a really big deal, 1,200% gain. But, you know, it's just because it, uh, these things have become way too big a part of the portfolio, and I looked at Apple and I said, well, okay, well, I have Apple forever, you know, but I, I was just being, just looking, I didn't look at the stocks. I just literally took yes. the percentages. But I, I think that, that, can Apple fall 20 points? Yeah, it can fall 20 points. It sells at 29 times earnings. I remember when it was, you know, I used to argue in favor of when it was a 16 to 18 times earnings and people said, no, that's too expensive. So things got a little wacky at the end of the year. Apple was up almost 50% last year. Uh, and I think that, it, it, it's okay to find something that's cheaper. Like someone upgraded, we had a Verizon upgrade. Today. Yes, key well, today. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, look, you can do that. I, I think the problem with any of these upgrades, and I saw there was a lot of, uh, B of A put out this great piece about uh, what people bought this year at the beginning. They bought healthcare, utilities, energy, consumer staples, real estate. My problem is you buy the consumer staples, and I totally get that. What do you do now? What do you do now? Do you wait for General Mills to report a Kelanova? I mean, I think that in the end what happens is the Mag, Mag 7 goes down uh, over time because they became too big. But, Carl, to replace it with something else, you better have good industrials. You know, maybe like a Union Pacific is up so much. Good industrials that do better if we get the rate cuts. Or else what's going to happen is you're just going to go back to them after they come down. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the rate cuts because Edyard Denny, who's been quite constructive oh, yeah. on stocks for a long time now, note yesterday saying that wouldn't be surprised if the market stalls in the first half 
in part because of election messes, uh, geopolitics, the idea that we're hoping for more from the Fed that we might get? I, look, I'm with Ed. I've been with Ed. Actually, you know, I used to, I had Ed speak at a conference, and I think Ed is the most thoughtful of the people who talk. And the reason why Ed is so thoughtful is he's just, he, there's no politics. There's no dogma. He's dogma-free. And I worry and was selling some of these Mag 7 because what, was, what is going to happen? Why do you not want to be all in? Well, because there are people who are calling for a Fed rate cut as early as March. I don't know why we think Jay Powell should do that. Uh, and we have a we have a prime. We have a straw poll in two weeks. Uh, we have a you mean Iowa? Yeah, we've got. <laughs> I mean, so we got Maine and Colorado saying yes. Trump should be on the ballot. And then we got Trump perhaps winning big, and there's six states that matter. And I don't know. I think it's a very convoluted moment. And a convoluted moment is not a time to be able to say, you know what, I really, truly want to stick my neck out and make a strong case for owning AMD. Right. Uh, that, of course, has implications for the Fed. And speaking of which, is set to release minutes today from the December meeting at 2 p.m. this afternoon. But just last hour, uh, Richmond Fed President Barkin talked about the U.S. economy and the potential for a soft landing. This landing could be delayed. The U.S. economy continues to defy expectations. Consumer spending is over 68% of the economy, and it's hard to make a case for a pullback as long as equity values are high and the labor market remains as tight as it is. Longer-term rates have dropped recently, which could stimulate demand in interest-sensitive sectors, such as housing. And while you might think this would be a first-class problem, Strong demand isn't the solution to above-target inflation, and that's why the potential for additional rate hikes remains on the table. So soft landing is increasingly conceivable, but in no way inevitable. He's not, he's not talking about cutting rates, for heaven's sake. <laughs> I thought what was really interesting was he mentioned equity valuations are high. I always hate it when the Fed gets involved with equity valuations. Jay Powell never speaks about that. Because equity valuations being high basically means we have irrational exuberance. It was something that <laughs> that Greenspan talked about. And, and it's wrong. yelling, too, on small cap biotech back in the day. Yeah. I made fun of her. I feel badly about that because it's just you know, she's a distinguished person. But what, what bothers me is, is that uh, if they're going to start talking about that, we're sunk because we've got a really high P.E. on S&P and we've got the MAG-7 being able to lead the S&P. But I, the idea that he's talking about rate hikes versus what uh, the March the numbers now, the, the figures for how many rate cuts we're going to get and the, how many were down yesterday. But, wow, I, I think that why don't you just set us up to fall, <laughs> right? I mean, like, how do you set us up to fall? Well, let's talk about rate hikes. Yeah. I mean, we do have a downgrade today of Sherwin-Williams over that. at Baird on the notion that the shares are susceptible to a potential reversal higher in rates. You know, I was like reading that, and I, I was telling Jeff Marks, who works with me on Travel Trust, that that's heresy. You can't downgrade Sherwin-Williams. It's heresy. But, I mean, it's one thing to say Apple, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you just you come back and you just say to yourself, all right, if you're going to take out the stocks that are not that are doing very well you're gonna have to go after floor and decor and people look at me like david would always say jim floor and decor what's that well there's 500 floor decors are in 48 states it's one of the most important companies in the world and that was one of the leaders of the s&p and that's what you're going after and i'm not willing right now to say that those are done and i know that we wrote had a story today about manhattan apartments i don't think that's really indicative of our nation uh the billionaires row yeah but I look, I, I, I just think we've had a big run in 
Like, take something off the table. Yeah, uh, as, How is that wrong? 1,200 percent. Uh, as Bespoke said uh, the other day, uh, 32 uh, consecutive overbought closes to end 2023. Well, yeah, nine weeks up. We have to go back since 2004. These are not... These are not the stuff which just says, you know what, we need another big week. I think these are the stuff to say, okay, let's reshuffle the deck for a while. Let's 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 maybe take some profits. One of the things that's happened is that the term take some profits has suddenly become heresy. And I was going back and forth this with Larry Williams, who's the oldest and smartest historian technician I know. And he was saying, Jim, you're not a trader if you decide that you want to take profits for the first time in years. That doesn't make you a trader. And I felt myself, wow, I felt tremendous pressure not to sell any of the Mag 7, which is ridiculous. I mean, these are the greatest performing stocks of all time. And I'm like saying, let it ride. It's like you know, Dostoevsky. Hey, listen, double zero in the gambler. Let's just go and get it again. It's been such a great run. And by the way, if you look from November, the late, you know, right around the November uh, meeting, the stocks that have done well, it's J.P. Morgan. It, it, it's that's what's that's what's moving things, and it's the the Vanguard high yield fund, where J.P. Morgan is three point three percent, the largest in the thing. Yeah. All-time high yesterday. All-time high. Not, you know, it wasn't, you know, we did not get an all-time high from, uh, I'm going to say it, NVIDIA. We (laughs) We did not get an all-time high, but we got it from J.P. Morgan. I mean, that was unbelievable. Oh, I I do got to ask you about NVIDIA. Today, D.A. Davidson, initiate neutral, 410. The title of the report, Jim, is what if AI is just another cycle? Oh, my God, I know. And I'm, like, thinking, having gone out west, and listen to what Amazon's going to do and what Microsoft's going to do. Look, it could be a bubble for a lot of companies, but it's real earnings for those guys. And NVIDIA has this gigantic software lead. But, and by the way, if you look at future earnings, which Melius has done, it's selling 25 times next year's earnings. That said, look at the stock since the November meeting. Look at it. I got a complaint from the club. Someone was saying, listen, Apple, Jim, are you really going to stick with that? I was like, well, I've stuck with it since 2005. I mean, but I, I, too, felt, all right, um, it's enough. Right. It's too big. Right. How but much? I, yeah, it's too big. How much um, is geopolitics playing in that trade right now? Whether it's China, reports of balloons over Taiwan today for the second day in a row. Obviously, the Red Sea, which we'll get to later in the hour. Well, look, I saw that the U.S. pressured ASMLF tonight, the great Dutch companies. These things are the size of a bus, the machines, pressuring them not to come in. And I think that every time you think that they're going to be complacent and compliant, President Xi throws us a a curveball. I know Taiwan's saying, please don't interfere. Like, I just look at all these things and say, well, there's a lot of landmines. So let's not go through until the landmines are clear. Now, you could say, you know, that's that's trepidation and there's no room for trepidation and fear. Well, look, I just got we just went through this whole year and I stuck with all this stuff. And I was making fun of Mike Wilson, who was a bear. And now it's like I don't want to be him on the bullseye. <laughs> I come in here saying, you know what? Nothing's changed. I don't understand why people are are, are deserting. How, how, how can you possibly desert the Microsoft sh- uh, move? Right. Microsoft just had an incredible run. But you're talking valuation. Yes. You're not pointing to concerns about corporate capex no. or weaker household no. or a wave of corporate bankruptcies no, in 24. Not at all. I mean, Rite Aid. That's really good for Walgreens. 
Walt Disney's got this guy Tim Wentworth and my love, and I'm going to see him when we go out to J.P. Morgan Conference. But no, I'm just, you know, look, I don't like to pay 33 times earnings. I don't like to pay 29 times earnings for Apple. People should recognize that the multiples got very high, except for Meta which has a low multiple, and Alphabet, which may not be able to make the numbers because of, of Google Cloud Services. Mm-hmm. I mean, Meta's insanely inexpensive, if you want to look at it in the forward, uh, because of the efficiency. The question is, can are these new products going to sell? And like with Apple, the Vision Pro, it doesn't even rate in any of these right. uh, forecasts. And the... The sun, the Ray-Bans from Meta don't rate, and the Meta 3, the Quest 3 don't rate. I mean, everyone just thinks that everything is a bust that any of these guys come up with. Uh, I do point out that I could make a very strong case for Meta. I could, because yep. that one's the really interesting. That's good. That's interesting. I mean, you're starting to ladder some of the seven. Yes. It sounds like. Yes, yeah. well, because... Look, I'm not saying TikTok's going to be banned here, but I'm, I think there's going to be a groundswell that you sort of should be in reels. I think that Zuckerberg changed the narrative for himself. I think he became, other than the bunker, which I think that yes. the bunker seems, I don't know. It's, it's a hedge. The bunker's a, a hedge. It's a hedge. The yep. bunker's a hedge. There's two boulders in my place in Pennsylvania, and I told my wife, I'm going to put a couple of logs on top of it, and I, and I got my bunker. And she says, no, well, he, actually, Mark Zuckerberg has some more sophisticated yes, bunker. But he's got his own okay. water supply. Yes. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he has his water supply, and I have uh, a walkie-talkie. <laughs> Still to come this morning, Disney uh, gaining some support in its fight against Tryon and Nelson Peltz. We'll get some details on that. Take a look at the pre-market here. As we're coming off a lower start to the year, worst day for tech since August. Uh, but the Dow did manage four all-time highs in the last five sessions. We're back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Watching shares of Disney today striking a deal with activist investor Value Act agreeing to support Disney's slate of board nominees at this year's annual meeting, siding with Disney in its battle with Tryon's Nelson Peltz. Jim, looks like between this and uh, Blackwell's, they've been busy on yeah, this front. Blackwell's small. These guys big. But Value Act, they're heavyweights. They're in Spotify. It helped New York Times, 21st Century Fox, Nintendo, Microsoft, Adobe, Salesforce. And there's a belief, of course, that that if you're looking at this and you're trying to decide, for instance, that James Corman won't be independent, I means this is the only board he's serving on. Anyone who worked with James or has interviewed him know that he's owned by nobody. I mean, it's just he, he is, he does not play for dinner. My problem is, is that I still feel that because the company is doing so poorly right now, or the stock too, why not have the guy with the most stock on the board, Nelson Peltz? But they just made these changes and I think that Value Act coming out in favor of the changes, the Gorman move, is 
going to be dispositive about what will happen. Mm. Uh, you mentioned some of the challenges, certainly in direct to consumer, but the studio side as well, Jim. Uh, for the first time in almost a decade, our parent, Comcast, uh, beats Disney at the twenty at the annual box office, thanks to Oppenheimer and Mario Brothers. You know, that was one of those where it was like I was with my staff this morning. We said, "You got to be kidding me." We beat Disney, but then we said, well, Opco was good, and people saw Super Mario. It was like, it was very accessible that we did well. Of course, we worked for them. Very accessible that we did well, and Disney was not, like, someone this weekend was saying, look, Disney did great. It was Barbie. I said, no, no, that was actually <laughs> right, exactly. Um, although, I would say UBS uh, names both Disney and Netflix's top picks for the year. Well, my trust owns Disney, and if David were here, he would be saying, well, that's knuckleheaded. And I would say it was knuckleheaded, though, Bowie at 167. Look, I think Disney's franchise is worth a great deal. And I, I know people still go to Disney World. And I know that the ESPN's doing better than ever. But I feel like I'm, I'm battling uh, because it's been a terrible stock. And one of the things that's happened in 2023, very few stocks that were terrible, Boeing, actually one of the big allies, turned. Very, unless you pivoted to massive profitability like some of the tech companies did, you, if your stock was bad at the beginning of the year, it was bad at the end of the year. Right. Yeah. The last last nine weeks, as you said, saved a lot of uh, stocks from being losers. Yes. Yeah. And I think that when I look at Disney, I feel like I made a mistake. I now I feel like I mean these are empirical. Look, it's empirical that I made a mistake. I mean the stock was bad. And, you know, when you speak to Bob Iger, I think he would say, well, look, the, the balance sheet's better and there's a lot of good things happening. And I would come back and say, yeah, but the stock is bad. Maybe you need a guy like Pelton, who has historically been a catalyst. He comes in uh, most recently with Proctor. I think people thought he did a good job. I can't find anyone who thought he did a bad job. Uh, but uh, I'd like to see what how Gorman looks at it. So at this point, at, right now, at this point, you're agnostic as to whether Pelton exactly. you are. Right. Uh, now, look, if, if Nelson were to say, here's my plan to cut out 10 billion, like, if, you know, when you have Elliott Partners come in, all right, Paul Singer, if they come in with a plan that a really good management team, like Mark Benioff and his team at Salesforce, they say, aha, some really great ideas. I'm going to talk to these guys every day. Now, you could say, yeah, you did that to wear them down. You can't wear, you can't wear them down. Right. But I know that Mark felt, uh, and we talked to him a lot about this. Wow, you know, some really high-quality work here being done by, by Paul Singer and his crew. So if, you, if Nelson came in with a good game plan, I would like them to be, like it to be embraced the way that a smart management embraces Elliot. Right. But most people, when Elliot comes in, they say, uh-uh. Although, I have to tell you, Constellation Brands, which reports soon, and my chapel trust on it, I, I, I felt clarion call when they said, Elliot, help us. Help us. Yeah. Uh, well, it worked for Salesforce this year, yes, last it year. Did. Salesforce was the best performer yeah. in the Dow, and I think that Mark might just say, you know who really helped? Elliot. Because there's no he has no ego when it comes to how to get things better. Even though people think he's an egomaniac, let me tell you he's not an egomaniac. He does like those Louis he likes that baton Louis Baton. He likes that stuff. <laughs> yes. The, the uh, he likes the uh, you know the Cuccinella. I mean, I mean, the guy's expensive. Yes. I bought my wife a hoodie at, at, at Brunello Cuccinelli, and it's like I should have just bought it at Footlocker. <laughs> 
that's that's good color on, on Benioff. Uh, still to come this morning, uh, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Take one more look here at the pre-market, continuing to hover below uh, the flat line, especially since Europe opened. We're back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. I heard you say Amazon. Yeah, now let me give an example of how it's so hard to be able to say, you know what, I'm done with the Magnificent Seven. Really fabulous note today from Bank of America. It says, still see room for margin upside in 2024 with prime video ads providing nice boosts. So they are going to have these two tiers. People have to get ready because it's happening really soon. And for uh, prime users will be able to, to opt into an ad-free tier for an additional $2.99. So if you're watching Reacher which is a 48-minute episode. I mean, maybe you get 12 minutes of commercials. Well, I've got to tell you, for $2.99, I am happy to be commercial-free. So what's going to happen is, is that just pure margin expansion. And uh, that's going to be one of the reasons why Andy Jassy, whom I sat down with last year, is talking about the opportunities, the opportunities for a lot of upside. So you get rid of Amazon and you switch to General Mills. Then General Mills reports and people say, oh, Blue Buffalo, I don't know, there's competitive dog food. There is no competitive competitive dog food to Amazon. Uh, I mean, they do have competition in cloud, but but would you argue they're best in class? I mean, it's, yes, it's really. Yes, I think they offer, they have the least expensive, uh, most robust cloud offering. They also were the, the biggest adopters of, uh, of of what Nvidia is selling. By the way, Meta, huge adopter of, and people don't understand. I remember when I spoke to Jensen Wang. He says he speaks to Mark Zuckerberg constantly, and sure enough, the Ray Bans are filled with AI. <laughs> I mean, I wear Ray Bans. My Ray Bans don't do anything. My daughter's Ray Bans are like taking pictures for Instagram. She's listening to music. She's messaging me. And mine, well, like they blocked the sun. <laughs> like old school. Yeah. Keep, keeping it real. I got them at Costco. <laughs> I mean, like I blocked the sun. I sat on them once. I just go buy another thing. We'll watch Amazon and a lot of the big tech names, of course, after the action yesterday. Don't forget, you can, check, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. You can always listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Gas prices around the country continue to drop, falling under $3 a gallon at a majority now of U.S. gas stations. Jim, even as we look at more reports today, just looking at how OPEC, they can't cut fast enough to keep up with this non-OPEC supply. Yeah, look, I, I, again, I mean, I just don't think people understand, including the people in the Permian, that they're just, they're just producing so much. I mean, we're now the largest producer, with 13 and a half probably go up another 300,000 if we want to. Uh, Canada's got tons. They just need to, they need a certain kind of chemical to make it so that they can flood us with, with gasoline. And uh, I don't think it's the demand side. I mean, Tesla, obviously, a good note by, uh, good note by Adam Jonas about the strength of Tesla and what they have. And he does this, some of the parts analysis, which is, you know, I, I like his work. I think it's just very valuable. Yeah, he but, argues that stock's going to be 
valuing a company that relies less on cars over Ex- time. Okay, so where I was going was Tesla energy is important, Tesla insurance. So it's not a question of, of there's a, a sudden lack of demand, but the supply is just so humongous. And I don't think people can understand that uh, we have the capacity to do far more than anybody thought. And then once Exxon competes a steel pioneer, oh man. Not just that, the U.S. has now overtaken Australia and Qatar as the number one LNG exporter. Never, ever supposed to happen. I know there's a couple people recommending Qatar today, which is Chapel Trust owns. That, that's, that's the old capital oil and gas. They've got $2 price for natural gas. Actually, you can take it as low as a dollar. Yeah. And I just, I look at this stuff and I say to myself, how did this happen? <laughs> like how, I mean, these places were unassailable. I mean, Australia, by the way, uh, overbuilt and exported too much. And that was a fear when we started exporting 5, uh, five BCF. And then it turns out that, that we, all we did was just find even more. We can't, we do not have enough pipe to send all the natural gas that we developed from the permit. We just don't. And that's just, a, we just have too much, which is really kind of a high quality problem yeah. to think about. It. Although, Although not in the Northeast. Uh, to some degree, uh, crude's being supported by some Libya field work because right. of protests. Um, obviously, what happened in Beirut and the killing of this Hamas deputy leader does raise the specter of an even broader regional war. I, I do think that at a certain point it might matter, but I, if you had told me, I mean, if you had told me that Ukraine would not, would backfire and that the Russians would end up producing more and they're flooding, you know, they have the figures for for casualties there are extraordinarily high. Uh, it just didn't matter. It just matters what we produce uh, because we are not in unison. We're doing it all on our own. Uh, we have the ability, we're building uh, uh, ports so we can handle the very large crude. Uh, but when we do that, look out, because that's two million a day. Sure. And that is really going to bring far more production. That's about to happen soon. Thank you, Rusty Brazil. All, from all that RBN. said, uh, Mizuho today does cut Exxon and Oxy to neutral yes. as they try to uh, get their portfolio more defensive. I think Chevron remains a top pick for those guys. But there, you're running this problem. You're, you're up against these funds that are high-yield funds. So, I mean, here you have Exxon's the number two in this incredibly important Vanguard high-yield fund. That's got 3.1%. I'm using that, by the way, that's a metaphor for what's happening. Is Because if you look at the Vanguard high-yield fund, it's, it's just, it's straight up versus a, an Apple, which is headed lower. And this is what people want because people feel the Fed is going to cut very aggressively. And this fund is the J.P. Morgan fund, J&J, Procter & Gamble, mm-hmm. Home Depot. I mean, that's what you know, they're the largest been Chevron's in there. And so, you know, you're selling Exxon and you're and the people who are buying it are people who are saying, I need a, I need stocks for when the Fed cuts. Right. Unassailable, um, by the way. You can't buck that. Yeah. Um, As it goes lower, they're going to buy more. Yeah. I mean, has implications for all kinds of industries. United, for example, uh, City today, 30-day positive catalyst outlook because the shares have lagged so much as these airlines have bounced. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm glad it's a, it's a trade. They always, they're right. back to being in the trade yes. mode. Um, it's a shame. I wonder what you made of mortgage applications because although the 30-year fix is now down to six and three quarters, 
uh, purchaser uh, overall index was down 10. Some biggest yeah, drops okay, in February. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a lot of the Manhattan. Let's put the Manhattan aside. Okay, that is indicative of uh, of people in, in who work on Wall Street. That was an extraordinary. I know seasonally it's a strange time, but that was an extraordinary decline, given the fact that we did, it wasn't like the country was gripped by hard storms. Uh, I know that when you read Toll Brothers and Doug Yearly. Uh, the demand was incredibly strong, and Stuart Miller at Lenar, demand was incredibly strong. These are not incredibly strong numbers. They're just not. Right. Hopefully, they did buy back a lot of stock. I wonder if they're buying back the stock here. Uh, but, yeah, that was surprising. I know one week does not a, uh, a, a trend make, but that was surprising to me. Right. That's the, I thought that was real. That was real life. Uh, you mentioned Tesla a moment ago and the Jonas call. It's offset, Jim, to some degree by Bernstein again. Tony Saganaki reiterating underweight 150. Uh, his view is they're going to disappoint on margins and volume this year, and they're trading at almost 100 times fiscal 24 earnings. Well, I mean, but he's not looking at the, the, look, I think the Tesla mobility ride sharing, that's questionable because it didn't work for Hertz. Hertz is saying, look, you know, 10% of our fleet is Tesla, just like 10% of the car companies, cars on the road are Tesla. But, you know, I, I think that this work that that Adam Jonas is doing on the true value of Tesla is going to come into play because it, it's not like the guy who runs it is is from the old school gym. He he's not going to read this necessarily. Do he's doing it right? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Elon Musk, from everything we saw, when, whether it was Andrew's excellent interview or David's excellent interview, is a guy who is not going to sit there and say, you know what, I'm, I'm done creating value. I do think, by the way, and I've been saying this for a long time, that the F-150 is not going to be challenged by the Lamborghini of, of pickup trucks because we want pickup trucks that pick up things. But I do know that there's a cult following. And every one of those that is produced will be bought. Yeah. Will be, will yeah. be bought. Speaking of F-150, did get some recalls of uh, some Ford F-150s because of a rear uh, axle uh, hub bolt that could break. Uh, it's 112,000 vehicles. Okay. We mention Tesla recalls all the time. No, um, I think that Jim Farley, if he were sitting here, would say the single worst thing that is happening to us is our endless warranty problems. Uh, and it's embarrassing to him. Uh, it has, I have a Ford Maverick, and there was a recall almost immediately. And I was like, you know, saying, Jim, I thought these were done. And, and he, he's trying so hard, but it's obviously, it's a team effort. There's a lot of people, and this is bad. I mean, we own Ford for the trust, got a nice yep, gain yep, in it. Yep. But I look at it and I say, darn it, no, the F-150 is supposed to be perfect. It's just a great vehicle. And so I think the warranty stuff is just, I don't call it disastrous, that's not fair, but it's just been dogging them beyond what anybody thought would be the case. And it's really, uh, it's really hurting for him. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I think he stands, it's, it's just something he says is a big black mark on the company. Ford's been on the tape a few times, uh, in part because of the amount of corporate debt that was raised yesterday among four, likes of Ford and Toyota, 29 billion, Jim. At the same time, FT's got a piece about companies turning to converts, trying yeah, to manage their interest costs. Well, I, I do think that, hey, Ford's bounce sheet, by the way, is really fabulous and went through the, the strike and it had the really one of the great balance sheets. And they're not getting, I'm not, they're not getting bad, you know, credit benchmark plus, yep. plus 200. It's not so bad. Uh, look, I do think that we all know that there is worry. Uh, about debt, 
uh, too much debt taken on for autos. But then again, uh, CarMax are really good numbers. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think that this sector uh, is, again, playing more about ICE versus EV than anything else. And I talked with David yesterday. Is an ICE truck uh, worth as much as F-150 Lightning because of the future? And right. I think the answer is no. The future is more valuable. Than the depreciation is more uh, intense yes. on the EV side. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. The people are worried about that. People worry. I mean, that's what happened at Hertz. The EV side didn't hold its value. I mean, at all. I think that people are underestimating that this what happened at Hertz and and Stephen Schur. I mean, he just he bought these things and they are hard to repair, uh, and people don't know how to use them. And he was shocked, and I'm shocked. I mean, I had him on. I know him from Goldman days. He's a straight shooting guy. Yes. And he was not going to mince words. This, he was shocked at the decline in value. Uh, and he's a very good business person. Uh, so, you know, te- that's a Tesla fault, not a Hertz fault. Yeah. Uh, one of the more interesting points of the Jonas note is the notion that Tesla might help facilitate. China-based EV production here through joint ventures, yeah. which I know you, I, I imagine you're a bit skeptical about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that Secretary Raimondo and Commerce Department, I think, would be like, well, take a look at this note. Sure. He said, who is this guy? Yeah. And I, you know, well, he's premier analyst as well. I think he's one of, you know, maybe off the track on that one. Uh, some of the, we got a bunch of calls today, Jim. Uh, Roblox, top pick at, at Roth, Rockwell, uh, UBS ups. You mentioned yeah, Verizon and Key. It's de-risk because it's down a lot. Rockwell is uh, the way to be, was the way to be able to play factory automation, uh, onshoring, reshoring, and then it got crushed because it missed the quarter really badly. It's a very good company. I thought that was like, wow, okay, that's an interesting idea. It's come down a great deal. Uh, because all the other classic industrials are so high, you have to wait for a pullback. This pullback is a joy for people who have a lot of cash. And I, you just are hoping, you know, I know this, I don't want to root against anybody who owns stocks, but I mean, I got a lot of cash for the Chapel Trust. And I'm like betting that there is going to be a pullback of some substance simply because it's been a great time, all the numbers that we were talking about. Uh, and I'm just not going to sit here and just say, you know what? I'm going to let it roll. Mm. Let it ride. I mean, it's like, no, go out and buy so, the cashmere uh, sweater. For uh, of some substance means what? More than the 4% Russell's given yes. us so far? Yes. 5 to 10? Yes. Then yes. things get interesting. Yes, they do. Then they get interesting. And I, I just find that when I look at this, the stock, I mean, I'll give you an example. One of, one of my favorite companies is Union Pacific. They, they made a change. Uh, I happen to like the previous management, but in terms of the numbers, Union Pacific is, it, it, this, the stock is doing great. And I had CSX on. And I'm like thinking, wow, you know, maybe it's time to like swap into CSX. CSX is a very inexpensive stock, 18 times earnings, and it's got precision, doing precision railroading. And and Union Pacific is at 23 times earnings and at 52-week high. So, hey. Like, that's too high mm-hmm. versus CSX. That's mm-hmm. what I kind of thing I'm thinking Yeah, Very we pedestrian. Ma- yeah. I mean, uh, sort of fitting with the, the Sherwin-Williams call, which we mentioned earlier. It's been on a run. SoFi today, uh, Keith cuts to underperform 650. Jim, big run there. Uh, KDP's another one. Uh, Morgan Stanley cuts yeah, to equal fulfilled, weight. Yeah, fulfilled their targets. And, you know, I, I don't like those calls because it's not like 
They're not NVIDIA. I mean, look at SoFi, which I happen to like very much. It's Anthony Noto. I worked with him when he was at Goldman. Uh, and I was at TheStreet.com. He brought it public. And I look at his now a long time. I've known him. And the stock is, okay, is it really a dangerous stock at nine and a half? <laughs> yeah. Nine and a half. Is Robinhood dangerous at, at 11? I don't know. I, I don't like the book of business because it's too, it's too crypto and option-oriented, right. but crypto's been a big win. Well, what's working today, Jim, is all in healthcare and staples. Well, Lily, of course, yet. Lily adding to, what was it, a banner year last year? But it's all, uh, it's Cigna, is that Kroger, CVS, Verizon, McKesson. Yeah. It's just, if those are all recession. And that those are the stocks that we decided as, okay, Fed is going to put us in recession by these stocks. And that's a convoluted theory, but it's, it's in play right now. That, and it's what, the, what we heard this morning, which is that maybe it's going to be rate hikes. Well, that, that would actually be very difficult. I'm going to speak to David Ricks, CEO of Lilly, on our show nice. next week. Uh, he's just a great spoken. Remember, this is the best performer. And Ken Langone said this is going to be a trillion-dollar stock. Yes, he it, did. It's yep. a five hundred billion dollars stock balance. Yeah, we're going to get some um, some data today. ISM jolts. Do you think those still sort of buffet us either way? Depending, I mean, are we still on inflation yeah, watch? Look, I, I think so. I mean, I think that one of the things we try to take with the labor secretary that no one seems to want to talk about the immigration issue has changed the equation. I mean, these are people who are working. Once again, there's an underground economy. Now, of course, I don't want an underground economy. I want to get health care. I'm not calling for an underground economy. But anyone who thinks there's not an underground economy is crazy. I mean, you have all these people there. They want jobs. They're not like coming here. I mean, I know there are people who make a political judgment about them. My experience in running restaurants is, is that there was no one, and I would never hire anyone. I always had them vetted by water. Sure. Came. But there weren't. There was a tremendous group of immigrants that left uh, because of the Trump administration. Then more immigrants have been, have been allowed in in the last year than for four years. Legally, you mean? Uh, yeah, well, to in work? The, in the status, yes. the crazy status that people have, because it's so hard to understand what immigration is, what our policy is. But, you know, I think people don't understand. You can hire anybody. Now, you can hire anybody, and you don't want to look the other way. And I, I would never do that. But you can hire anybody, and that's really changed the equation. So you're talking about participation rates in the labor force, yeah. which is keeping a lid on on, yes. on wages. I mean, I, I don't think people understand. I mean, we had a we would go after anybody who was able-bodied, who was willing to wash dishes. I was a dishwasher once in my career, so I'm not going to like I'm not making a judgment. I washed it. Remember, like someone once talked about a short order cook. I'm not. I mean, I I was dishwasher. At a restaurant, and you—it was hot. You know, you, you were paying eighteen dollars an hour for dishwashers. I'm telling you, if you're an employer who is willing to look the other way, and again, I would never do that. You are not paying those prices anymore. That I think is what's happening, and no one wants to talk about. Mm. Uh, we'll no see. One. Yeah, we'll see how that manifests itself in in wages and uh, yes. and the labor market overall. Uh, which continues to confound the, the skeptics. Well, yeah, look, we have a strong economy, there's no doubt about it, and, but uh, that's not changed. We do have, uh, we have things like gasoline, you mentioned. It's like, you know, bullish, but it's, it's still hard to find people to work in some places, but 
I don't know. Let's watch Schultz. Let's watch everything because I just think that this notion of the three to four rate hikes, rate cuts, it, 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 I'm not saying we're going to get three to four rate hikes, but the notion of three to four rate, rate cuts is now what people are looking at. And they could be disappointed, and that's where a sell-off occurs. Right. Uh, well, we'll get the Fed minutes today, and we'll find out to what degree there was pushback within the meeting, because we did hear some post-FOMC. Yeah, uh, I mean, we had a good economy. You know, where do we not have a good economy? Try to find a place. I mean, try to find a place where we don't have a good economy. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, given the population growth in China, Japan, and Europe, on a relative basis, the U.S. is looking pretty good yes, on that standpoint. Is. Yes, it is. Uh, that's something, yes, is. I mean, Elon Musk has drawn attention to the crisis of right. population growth, in his view. Well, I, I just know that we um, we have the strongest economy in the world, and we've got, the only thing, look, we have, what do we add in, in debt for the federal government since the year began? A couple trillion? I mean, that's, that's our Achilles heel, but... Uh, it's obvious that we're going to have the Washington shutdown, yep. and that's going to be on the agenda. And we're we're hitting numbers uh, that are obviously unsustainable, but everybody else has it too. Yeah, no, uh, no excuse for what we're doing. No th- excuse for how high it is. Uh, Thirty-four trillion, of course, uh, for the first time. Does right. it does raise the question, Jim, about the year as a, as a trade? whether or not any gains are front-loaded, because the closer you get to the election, uh, the more wary buyers will be. Well. I will come back the other way and say, look, uh, we know that the years that incumbents run have always been up. And we know that uh, that the last rate hike uh, has and then the pause has has led other than in. uh, Well, we had in in, you you had in 2000 was different, but you you, you just you had a great run. (sighs) There's there's information and issues on both sides of those. But that tends to mean that I think you could have some people be wrong. And these people calling for the three to four rate cuts, they're going to be wrong. (laughs) And I don't know what they're thinking. It's called wishful thinking, perhaps. It's very wishful. Yeah, it would be nice. But that seems to be almost the consensus view. I don't know where that came from. Did j Powell tell us that? At any point, did j Powell say, you know what, we got to start cutting? He has not said that. And I think that one of the things that, that where did people really go wrong this year? They felt that Jay Powell had a hidden agenda that he was going to do. He played with the most open hand of any Fed person I can ever recall. And you just had to listen to him. And if you listened to him, you got things right. And if you decided that what he was really saying was something else, you got things wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I happen to think that the world of Jamie Dimon is a banker. But Jamie Dimon was in the 6% camp. Now, that, that was not on the agenda of Powell, but it was on the agenda of Diamond. And I was there when he talked about 6%, and I was like, wow, he knows more than I did. Was, that, was that the Philly Was the yeah. Philly interview? Yeah, Philly yeah interview. memorable. And that was uh, wrong. Yeah. Well, watch it. Uh, watch bonds today. In fact, yields are up across the curve. 10-year continues uh, to hug close to the 4% line with the long bond 412. As we said, we'll get ISM uh, manufacturing in about 12 minutes, jolts as well, and then the minutes of the meeting at 2 p.m. With the Dow down almost 200. We'll be right back. Dow managed to stay resilient in the face of that uh, tech sell-off yesterday, but some laggards to watch this morning include Walgreens, which will get earnings Hmm. of uh, tomorrow, along with ConAgra, Caterpillar, Goldman 3M, Nike following that on the list. Index down about 163. Stop Trading with Jim is coming up next. Got some breaking news on Disney via Kramer. Yeah, I just spoke with Nelson Peltz. He's got beneficial shareholder, $3 billion worth, and he's just saying this is not influencing 
the value act. Not if it's doing his decision at all. Of course he's going to run. He's still got another person. He's got two people going to run. Talking about long-suffering shareholders, one year, five year, ten year, and that he was is not even going to accept anything where he's just invited to the board periodically uh, and share information. He wants to be at the table, uh, making important decisions, helping him make important decisions to try to get this total shareholder return. Likes Gorman, thinks Gorman's a great guy. Everyone thinks Gorman's a great guy, but it says, no, that's not enough. And this uh, value act decision is irrelevant to him. Does Do you see the potential for a detente the way we had on air last year, remember? Uh, no. This, this uh, feels I, I more... I think that this is enough is enough. We really need to have not, you know, Pelts needs to have a transition now uh, that obviously things are not working. And by the way, let's understand, it's not saying that that, uh, that the company's not working. It's Bob Iger. He questions Bob Iger's leadership, uh, and he's not going to let up. And this is going to go on, and Value Act is not a factor in Nelson's thinking. What Nelson's thinking is this share total shareholder return is abysmal. Uh Look, it's hard to argue. Remember I said empirically it's hard to argue with certain situations because <laughs> the numbers are bad. Yes. Like empirically, I, I made uh, some bad moves, okay? You have to talk about the bad moves. You can talk about the 1,200% gain in NVIDIA. You got to talk yes. about bad moves. And this was a bad move for anybody who bought it, including me. And the numbers are, are awful. And they like the independent voices that are, that are coming in. Uh, uh, but no, he doesn't think it's enough. And remember, he's got uh, – he's got – $3 billion worth of stock, and he's got Mr. Perlmutter's stock, part of that Mr. Perlmutter I've known for a very long time, and uh, he's got a big position. Obviously, he's not. Any, look, anybody who's happy is brain dead. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm really happy with the loss. You know, this was a really good loss. I don't like the playoffs. I, you know, I'm, I'm going for a draft pick. Well, you know, I, there's no draft pick if you own Disney. You don't get the draft pick. You're, you're you talk, throw the drink. You're talking skin in the game uh, when it comes to pelts. Yes, yeah. yes. By the way, the $300,000 does go to charity, the pelt, you know, the uh, temper drink. Yes, yes. goes to charity, and I understand um, there are people who, it's very hard sometimes, and I don't know why there wasn't a guard that didn't escort that fan out, out of the stadium. Yeah. But there's no excuse, but the money goes to charity, and it doesn't really make sense that someone could heckle an owner throughout a game. Right. Uh, Jim, that does move the ball forward with Pelts. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Jim Cramer, we'll see you mad money tonight. Uh, some breaking economic data after the break. Jolts and ISM. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.